Robots Radio presents... Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps, and for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on July 10th, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat, as we continue our discussion over the new information we've gained concerning the Nine. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the advanced session of the week's exploration. Congratulations to those who have signed up for a deeper dive. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of the two people we have on tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 and this is green-eyed music lover with a vanilla candle <laughs> that you can't really see on screen, but you can see the effects of it on my face. Because we have face cams. On my face. You can see the face. But it, I am attempting Chats. to... It's like, what? <laughs> I'm attempting to synesthesia. Wait, I, is that's it, not how it works. Is it lavender? I realize this. I realize... No, it's vanilla. <laughs> it's actually super sweet smelling. Vanilla and monk f- fruit. It's very nice. It's like not sugary. She's like a holding lot of the vanillas. candle above her. I'm like, Green, you know that that that's liquid when that gets hot, right? You know the Right, but I was it's fine. It's fine. Oh. Uh. I'm not drinking. I'm really not. And I'm also not doing anything else at the moment that would cause any sort of inability to perform VF face cam vanilla candle face forever (laughs) i love it no we're talking about the nine aren't we Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. am i allowed to am i allowed to start (laughs) yes do it okay so real quick like we we had talked in the intro session so rick rick had to take off because he has work really early in the morning and he's uh, an hour ahead of us so he has a legit excuse to to not be here um really quick i had mentioned that the armor set was really important and there is a call out when we get introduced to this armor set that it is a it is a, what's referred to as an ontological effect that spawns from the question what is darkness that the guardian and the drifter ask to the nine um, so I realized I said that and I never really actually defined what that is. Ontology or ontological is a, is basically a philosophical study of being. Uh, so like what you often see it kind of being referenced in regards to are concepts that directly relate to being, to existing, um, but also in particular, uh, to becoming, uh, uh, reality and as well as like like how we relate to different things um so it it really is it's it's all about what it means to be uh and and i know that sounds like really kind of loosey-goosey but really that's philosophy in general so just deal with it um 
So, but ontology, <laughs> okay. yeah, ontology. So when I when I say it's ontological, ontological means that it's basically showing the relations between concepts and categories, uh, and it's also talking about the the science of metaphysics when it comes to dealing with the nature of being. So it's it's all about what it means to exist. Um, so what is an ontological weapon then? Hmm. Well, so an ontolo- ontological weapon is what the what the techians use, right? Like they yes, and have also in the last wish, right? So an ontological weapon would be a weapon. So ontology, in in simple terms, is the study of existence. So if you have an ontological weapon, it would be a weapon that would be weaponizing the foundational basis of existence. So when you have okay. the um, you're talking about like wishing dragons and all that. Um, when you have this, this kind of ties into another thing that I have that I'm starting to think the Ahamkara are. Uh, when the when the Ahamkara grant a wish, they are ontologically manipulating the very fabric of existence. They're not. They're like with with the vex, and we kind of talked about this before. With the vex, they mm-hmm. borrow from other realities. We we know. We are 90, 95% sure that destiny exists within a multiverse at this point. Um, so if the Vex are borrowing from different realities and bringing those realities into our existence, what's what's happening with those is that those other realities are therefore being negatively affected because they are now missing something. What an Ahamkara does okay. is it actually blends the realities into each other to make the manipulation exist. Um, so you will see... Like, that's why the wishing of the Ahamkara is so much more powerful than the, air quote, time hopping that we see with the Vex. Because Mm -hmm. it's actually, it's not just borrowing from another reality, it's making that reality our reality. Like, it's merging those two threads. They're merging them instead of, like, pulling it directly out of another reality like we do the perfect paradox. And bringing it back into ours like you have that there's a line that vance has in one of the newer cards where he says how many realities did you steal this from kind of thing yeah perfect paradoxes instead of that yeah basically Mm -hmm. with so uh, yeah like i I could go on a tangent on that one basically perfect paradox is presented Mm -hmm. as what's referred to as a bootstrap paradox um with the fact that we are dealing with a multiverse and not time travel it's impossible for it to be a bootstrap paradox so mm-hmm. it's uh, a bootstrap paradox is when you have uh, an item that exists because some at some point in the timeline, something took it back into the past and made it exist. So it has no discernible. Okay. It has no discernible creation. Um, it exists because it existed in the future, which then brought it back into the past. It's, it's a basically a closed circuit loop. Um so, but because we exist in, because destiny is taking place, as far as we know, within a multiverse, time travel is still not possible. So manipulation of a temporal right. fabric is currently not possible. You can appear to be, you can appear to manipulate time by stepping into different realities because different realities theoretically could, could either through the course of events or through actual time traveling through their time, they could actually travel through time at a different pace um, or okay. events could happen differently. Like, you know, uh, a good example is what happened with the vault of glass and Skolas. Skolas actually went mm-hmm. into other realities 
and gathered all the the fallen that were loyal to the House of Wolves and brought them into our reality. He didn't go back into time. He actually went to a different reality in which those creatures were still existing and ported them over to ours. So there was no there was no stepping across time. And so like within the Vault of Glass, when we go to the past or present, those are actually just our names for them. What actually is happening is we're actually going into different realities where events occurred differently. And so there is a it's the same physical location, but it's in literally a different reality. So events happen at a very different pace. Um, Okay, so let's redirect a little bit and go back to. um, Yeah, so so. What that what that all kind of ties into is because we have different realities, the nine actually use that as a teaching method. They use the te- the the ability to to create this ontological effect, this existing effect that, and and kind of what I was saying earlier is like they actually give the guardian the ability to experience the answer. Um, so when we ask mm-hmm. what is the darkness, well. The first thing that we really need to know is, okay, so this is the darkness. Well, what's opposed to the darkness? The light. So what are we looking at? We're looking at a difference between what is the darkness and what is the light. And so in the answer that they give us, we get the three sets of armor. We get a we get the hunter armor, which is the flowing armor set. And in this set, excuse me. And in this set, we have a reality that is shown to a hunter who is held unchanging and pristine in the wasteland of burned sand. Uh, now, this wasteland is noted by the hunter who's experiencing it as being similar to the tra- the uh, tower, but it's it's noticed here that this is a reality that is dominated solely by light. So this is a this is a um, this is what is the light. Um, now, the other thing that is noted here is near the end, the hunter is is interrupted by another light bearer. Uh, it's something it's something that is described as ancient and rotting. And it's begging for a final death. It's begging for an end to be to be brought to this unchanging hellscape that it exists in. Um, right, your soul is weary. Right, you fi- your feet find purchase in shifting sand. Your cloak billows in the wind, yet something clings to it, weighing it down. It's that never-ending warrior mentality, right? Yes, and also it deals. It starts showing the the uh, the abominable nature of light. Uh, we talked about balance in the in the last episode. This is a world that the balance has been skewed, where only light exists, only creation exists. Mm-hmm. Um, it has it has achieved it has achieved the final shape in that everything has a, it has created so much that there is no more space to be created in. It has filled all the empty spaces. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to that. So just. Keep that in the back of your mind. All right. So then we okay. have the reality of the darkness. Now, this one, to be fair, I know I, there's an easy joke about being the Titan armor set and how literally every single entry is the exact same for the most part. Um, but it's also that's the point. The darkness, the reality that's, do- that's dominated by darkness. So this reality is shown to a Titan. Um, and the thing that's called out is that the Titan is the only remaining thing in existence or in the world at this point there, there is no light there's nothing and the only experience that is noted in these in these armor sets are these entries is your light fades away that's the only experience mm-hmm. that they that's the only thing that happens um like there's there's some sensation of wind roaring in your ears 
but the major thing is on every entry it's one of the, it's the shortest of the entries and every single one ends with the your light fades away so this is a reality that's dominated solely by darkness um the balance has been skewed towards the darkness and remember when we were talking about the darkness one of the things that we were saying is it consumes that's what it does it consumes so this is a reality that has been completely consumed there is nothing you smell a rotting stench all around you yeah is in every card as well yeah it is it's there is nothing in existence here it's just because it's all being consumed so it's 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 also nothing but it's in nothing out of uh entropy not out of creation mm-hmm. and so then we come to what i what i have kind of started calling the reality of shadows uh this is the channeling armor and this is another set similar to the hunter that's very very dynamic um, this is the reality that is shown by a warlock and is noteworthy in that while we're in the other two realities, so first off, first thing, we're in the other two realities, the nine were almost impossible to understand. Here in this reality, they speak clearly and they speak very easily to the guardian who is looking around, the warlock. Mm-hmm. The description that you see here is a world in which everything is visible and recognizable by the the, guard, the warlock. Um uh, the reason why I say that is in the darkness reality, the Titan couldn't see anything. He couldn't even see his hand. Um, in right. the Hunter reality, the Hunter is a, if he looks if he looks up from his feet, he is blinded immediately by the light. He can't see anything either. He can only he only mm-hmm. experiences the sensation of things because he can only stare at his own feet. Um, so, but in the Warlock's reality, they can perceive without problem. Uh, the other thing that is that is interesting here, um, and I noted it as a potential nod to the future, uh, is the presence of red ribbons, uh, which are binding the hands mm-hmm. of the warlock. Uh, I, I was reading on Reddit. I can't. I can't remember who I was reading. Um, I'll try to. I'll try to link them in the show notes. But I was reading that they were like, "Oh, that's interesting because it's it's basically it's holding the warlock in stasis." Uh, which is just kind of an interesting kind of nod. You also see that in the prophecy dungeon with the sparrow rainbow road thing. That's the red ribbons. Mm-hmm. So those are those are the three scenarios that we have presented to us within the entries. Um, that's my summary. Of it's them. interesting. <laughs> One of the things that is we always talk about the formatting of the entries, right? And in every entry, you have the call out for the different i don't know what we would call them the light dark and the between right like they they are formatted very specifically in each card because it's not the word in the traditional sense of what they're trying to use it for it's the word as the encompassing of the the concept of light right mm-hmm. it's not light as in the the light of from the light above me or anything like that, or the darkness by shutting off the light. It is the concept of the powerful light itself, which I find interesting because you see the, in a lot of the nine cards, formatting is super important. And you brought up the fact that in all the Titan cards, everything is just, it's that it's even beyond the future that we saw in the Panoptes. Yes, very much so, very much so. It's it's way past that. Like you had the idea of the consumption of everything via the Vex in Curse of Osiris. That is that future, but that's not even the entirety of what darkness is. Darkness is beyond that. And interestingly enough, he is still 
capable. He is still a light source within that darkness because he is not himself within entropy. He's not consumed by the darkness itself. He will, his light will fade away and then he will die, but he's still a light in the dark. I wonder if some of the metaphysical, not the metaphysical, the metaphorical aspects of this are meant to literally just be like, it's, you have to figure out how to walk that middle road and where that middle road is. Yes, I would, I would agree. The other real quick call out to the Vex are not seeking consumption. They're seeking confluence. So there's a difference between confluence and consumption. So like confluence is, you know, literally the blending of everything into one thing. It's the, it's the idea of this Mm -hmm. like final shape or whatever. What the darkness is doing is is it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's confluencing, I guess, in a way, but it's actually consuming and destroying it. Um, And again, I, I, I want to, I want to again, stress light and dark are not good and evil like that, that. I know no. I know it's very easy to 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 uh create a a binary system like that. Um but mm. with this with these terms in particular, I think it's very important to say that it's not that one side is right and wrong. It's you you have an existence, you have you have the nature of existence, the ontological thing that's being described here is the process of creation and the process of entropy and of destruction. Those are natural cycles. Mm-hmm. Those you, anything that lives should experience death. And that's where you get right. that's where you get the problem with the guardians and the hive. Both are technically abominations to the natural order. The hive don't necessarily right. die, neither do the guardians. The thing that I want to call out, though, is the idea of experiencing entropy, right? Like that's, we don't experience entropy in the same way that a lot of things do, though we do still have aspects where we get hungry, even though we don't have to eat and whatnot. There's still entropy within ourselves, like the consumption of things is still a thing that we can do physically, as far as the physics of the world. But we do know of I don't know if you would even call them creatures. We do know of the like the cockatus beings that were trying to come through the gate that could not figure out how our physics worked to be able to survive themselves. It almost makes me wonder if that, if those things, that blob, that amoeba type thing, amoeba or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. coming through the gate was actually of the same as the light and the dark as we know it within like the traveler and the it's of the same realm is where I'm heading with this. Like, do you think that it came from that same area? Because once the traveler hit our realm, it was subjected to the concepts of entropy as well as the pyramids, at least. So we think, yeah, I think so. And that's, and that's a, that's like the one stumbling block I have with the nine being like the quote unquote experts on balancing here is that mm-hmm. the nine up until this point have, they haven't understood entropy. They, the nine have, as far as we have seen prior to this, have existed in a binary, um, uh, 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 intellectual world, a logical world. Like you either exist or you don't. 
Like there, there is no process mm-hmm. of, of degradation um, that we as, you know, in reality, we recognize that you get older every minute, every second your, your body is getting older. It is right. falling apart slowly. Cells are, cells right. are dying now, and then rebuilding. Correct. And-, and being born and, you know, splitting and all that. Like that's, that's just, mm-hmm. that's for us as, as humans, like in, even in reality, like not just in game, like in reality, that is such an integral part to our existence that we can't even fathom that not happening. However, the nine okay. come from a, uh, a more, it's more of a computer world. It's either you're on or you're off. Like it, it's one or the zero. Binary yeah, aspect. it's, it's, right. and so that's where Cockatus was a very interesting read because it was literally a, a, a an entity from a binary system trying to, trying to understand what in the hell was going on when it sent something through it's like okay it's it should exist and it dies and it's like what like you know it's it I, you can just see this like what why is this not working mm-hmm. this it, it it exists it should work and and they had to like that's where you get the idea of like zur and where you have the idea of Orin as their emissary as their agent you know the, these are these are entities that require um a, a, a mediator in our reality to even communicate and even then it was right. it was very poorly done like it was very clunky but, but that's where i'm kind of heading with this is you have the idea of the gardener and the winnower right setting up the game setting up the the idea of all of this and then they they go from the the theoretical of creating the game and setting up the place the the points where everything is planted to actually playing the game and moving from that realm of thought in theory into moving into the reality of it. And then they play the game itself. It almost makes me think that the things that were part of that, that cockatus were from that same idea of the three theoretical moving into the actual physical. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, and that and that would that would idea. actually go in line with some of the audio that we get from prophecy because now if like going going back to Cockatus, if that was the nine, then what that what what prophecy shows is that they have achieved an understanding at least to a degree that they can now communicate directly with us. And you know, mm-hmm. we kinda we kinda tease the Orin bit. Um, but there is a line from Orin that says, you know, that she has forced a respite from the nine. She is no longer their emissary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which which begs the question of what happened to Zer. But you know, I I'm I'm thinking Zer's will is not his own. I think she has her own will still. That's true. Like that is that is very true. I would I would accept that as a situation or as a resolution to that thing. Because I think Zer, mm-hmm. I don't think Zer exists without the will of the Nine. I think he is literally Correct. a puppet. But that's my own. I have my own theory about that. Um, but I, th- I find it interesting that if if that is accurate, if if she has actually been cut loose from it, what that means is they don't need an emissary, and, and an emissary is a messenger. That's what they do. So if they mm-hmm. don't need a messenger, well, now they see that we have communication directly with them at this point. It makes me wonder if they still do need some sort of messenger, even though right now they figured out how to communicate with, in some ways, this, I've always been confused about this. Like, why is the prophecy dungeon based within the tower? 
why why do we know about it? Like, there's not a whole lead into it necessarily. You have Eris and Drifter, right. but that's about it. Well, and I think that is because of Drifter. Because a Drifter right. goes to the Nine and asks them a question with the Guardian. Right. And so I think I think that answer is, well, that's just where the question was asked. Okay. At least as far as I so, can tell. Before we get into another question, let's do a quick commercial break. And then we will jump into why is it this an important factor for us guardians myth is a podcast about the very soul of humanity join me each week as i explore stories from our history from our mythologies about what it means to be human i'm your host tom and myth is available on every podcatcher anywhere and if you're familiar with any of my other work then you might realize that myth is like a lore cast but for humans Join me each week on Myth. And we're back. And Blue, why is this important? Like we, we've been talking about these concepts, but what what does it even mean to us? You so know? I think, you know, I, I, and we kind of saw this, we were talking about this a little bit at the at the closer to the end of the intro, but like the answer being shown, um, while it's definitely not final, uh, you see that with Ghost mm-hmm. calling that out. Um, here, I'll pull this up for live stream as well. Um, in Cloak of Judgment, you see this being is being referred to as like, you know, he, he it, it it's not the final answer. They're still processing it through, but their their process of like the nine's process of thinking things through requires also because of the way they communicate, we see that process. Um, mm-hmm. So the answer that is being shown to us currently within the prophecy dungeon and within these armor sets shows that the light and, ba- and the light and darkness are both necessary forces. Um, this is very similar to the teachings of Ulan-Tan and the symmetry. Uh, we require mm-hmm. a balance of the two sides. Without the opposing powers of the other, the final form of the universe is unnatural and, in, and as I've kind of called it before, is, is an abomination. Um, so right. in, in this way... The nine are showing that we are incapable of existing in a world filled with just light or just darkness. We require a balanced, symmetrical world. And so in this, we must become champions of not the light or the dark, but actually we got to become champions for both. Uh, and, And the nine actually take this a little bit further and say, instead of becoming champions for the light or the dark, you need to be champions for you. Uh, we see this within the channeling robes part. I'm going to try to see if I can find this quote. I have, I have my quote, but I'm going to pull it up for people here. So it's right here. Um, they say, you see only what the light left you every day. There will ever be unmarred forever for you and all those like you, but the dark has returned. And when light and dark meet universes collapse, not something to mourn natural order. But we believe you exist to buck natural order. You always did, even before the dark, before the light, when it was just you and those like you. So, end quote there. Um, so, I, there's a few things I want to break out of that. So, there's a reference to those like you. Um, I actually am reading that as actually a reference to humanity, to humans, um, or humanity and its subsets, which would include Awoken mm-hmm. and Exos. And Exo. Yeah, not other light bearers. I think this is this is humans. Um, because of the specific call Meaning out, f- not fallen. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, not yeah. fallen. Clarify um, that real quick. Sorry, yeah. So this is this is a potential nod to why Earth is at the central point of this huge space drama that's going on. There's something special mm-hmm. about humanity and, you know, whatever you want to call about the egotistical nature of that na- that narrative, fine. But the thing is, is that's where the central focus is. So what is it? What is it that makes humans so central to this this situation? Um, and it's even more so because there's a specific call out near the end of the quote that is specified that humans or those like you existed prior to the arrival of light or dark. So we now also mm-hmm. have a point here where we are seeing before the light or the dark existed in our reality, we were here. Which means that, and this is like you had asked me, I think, earlier in the intro session, if I remember, you know, is a light or dark power or is it the use of power? This is why I'm saying mm-hmm. it's not the power. Light and dark is the the users of that power. It's a manifestation of the elemental forces. You have arc, solar, the void, uti- and utilization stasis. of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's where I, I'm starting to see that. Uh, also, okay. you, you see here a, a call to natural order. So this is where we start seeing an argument of the battle between opposing sides, light and dark. Not the battle of good mm-hmm. and evil, but of light and dark. Uh, in the sense of it being natural. And in many ways, this is a good thing. You want this thing to, to, to be in balance. The light seeks to fill empty spaces with things. It creates. And the dark seeks to devour things. Consume. So the cycle is a never-ending battle between the two, one of creation and one of destruction. Neither is necessarily evil or wrong, but neither can be left unchecked. If the light were allowed, it would create until everything was filled. You know, so we go back to the hunter mm-hmm. armor set here. Uh, and this, this would lock reality into a never-ending and unchanging wasteland. Similarly, if the darkness was allowed to consume without the light being there to temper it, it or it being able to temper the destruction it caused there would be call it yeah there would be nothing left it would be the titan armor there's nothing it's just darkness but Mm -hmm. each in their own distinct method yearn for nothingness one where there is no space left to fill and the other where there is nothing but emptiness so they both would result in the reality becoming like locked if you will in nothingness um now that's where you start seeing kind of these other little fragments of of interesting dialogue going on because the nine also then bring up the ghost and this is you we kind of mentioned this at the end of the intro the intro session the nine point to the ghost is a, as a, what they call a tangential expression within the common equation within the cloak judgment which i will pull up real quick right here uh, the quote the quote in full says the light well i'll reference later too but it says the light destroys guardians destroy but ghosts rebuild they are a tangential expression within the common equation so what they're doing is they're calling out that while the guardians and light actually destroy the ghosts actually rebuild this is in line with the view the the nine's view of light and dark as mere forces of energy or sources of energy mm-hmm. to be used by the guardian. So they're not the actual energy, but they, the, they're tools to be used by the guardian to build something for themselves with the paracausal capabilities that they have been granted. Uh, basically in order for the light or dark to achieve anything, they require living agents. They, the, the light can't come into, into our reality and be like, 
pop, you know, we're going to do that. They have to have someone do it for them. So these agents in turn, through the support of the power, uh, bring into reality the desire of the light or the dark. So the hive, like you were talking about, you know, earlier, the hive are bringing into reality the desire for consumption to to consume with the worm gods. You know, you have the, the Faustian bargain of the worms. That's consumption. But the right. But the guardians aren't necessarily creating a bunch of things. They're making room for a bunch of things, but they're still fighting and they're still destroying other things in order to make room for new things. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the guardians themselves are capable of being the light in the same way because of the mixture between the two, right? Yes. The guardians are, however, creating because when we cast a super, we are manifesting through paracausal nature a new weapon. So we are creating something. But we're not a wizard still fires and a weapon at you. They still cast as well, but they're not necessarily casting light in the same way that we are. They're not. The thing that I want to stress is that the guardians, the ghost, I would say, are light. I would mm-hmm. agree with that. They create, they re manifest things. They manifest ghosts. They manifest sparrows, weapons, armor what have you, even projections of ourselves. We create that with the ghost help. But guardians themselves are not light. They can't be. They can fight for the side of the light, but they're not light themselves. Right. Because and guardians still function as a calling force. Correct. The guardians... Right. No, that's the thing is the guardians are a blend of mm-hmm. the dark and the light. But the thing is with the ghost... So the, we we know that the light can destroy, right? We we know mm-hmm. that they can destroy. It just doesn't usually. It just looks at creating things. So the reason why the guardians are being referenced as uh, akin to the light is because up until this point, guardians really have just blindly followed the light. We we there there has not right. been a lot of questioning of hey what's the end goal of this whole thing you know it's it's well they f- no they tried and they got in trouble because osiris did it and he got exiled Ephrodite is questioning it and sh- i mean she's self-exiled but i mean she even you know in her own way was like i don't want to be a weapon you know right. she 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 wants to look at something and not just be like, all right, how am I going to kill it? Like, that's not that's not her. She doesn't want right. that to be what she is known for. Um, Trying to exit the the pattern. In right. Some I way. mean, in and in that, you know, exiting the pattern. Yeah. Uh, Wicked Sockmet Toland also tried to exit the pattern. Now, Toland did it in opposite direction. But I mean, still, he did try to exit the pattern of the Guardians. He right. questioned the things. Um, right, which is what you see in the hunter card in the you want to essentially off yourself because you're yes. just stuck. The, right? the like other the point of that card. The, the ancient rotting light bearer is begging for death because it, it, it's it's an eternity of nothing. Like, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's it's great to be immortal. But God, I can't I can never remember the, the the Greek character's name. But there there's a Greek Myth, uh, mythology uh, a greek dyad wishes for her lover to become immortal and zeus being zeus says okay cool he's immortal oh but he still ages so he can't mm-hmm. die but he keeps aging and that's how they get grasshoppers 
So well, it's also I I remember that story, and it's also kind of like the Dorian Gray thing, right? Like yes. it's all well and yeah. good until you become just this husk of a soul within mm-hmm. the body itself. The body may still y- look young, but your age beyond belief. Yeah, they they actually did. Speaking of Dorian Gray, they did really good justice to him. In um, I just blanked on the name of the show, but he was in a show that I just finished watching. Uh, um, a movie? No, not or a movie. TV show. Um, TV show. I'll remember. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is a guilty pleasure, but a terrible movie. Uh, I would I would not classify that as a pleasure in any stretch of the imagination. Just a terrible movie. It was fun. It was fun. Oh gosh, no! It was. Um, oh, I'm gonna. I'm so annoyed. I'm so annoyed that I can't remember it. But anyways, they did a really good job of showing exactly that of of his character. Okay. Um, and I loved it because it was very subtle how they did it. But in the end, it was exactly that. He's like, he doesn't care because he doesn't care. Um, but anyway, so Guardians, um, <laughs> Guardians up until this point have shown that they've been just blindly following the light. You see that with the speaker, right? The speaker is just like light, mm-hmm. light, 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 light. And like, there's no question well, of it. It's it's the creation of a faith right like the, that was the, speaker. The, the blind was... the blind faith right yeah mm-hmm. and i mean and, mm-hmm. and as we kind of discussed earlier you know in pursuit of that blind faith bad things were done censorship exiles sure. you know that's just the surface of i'm sure what has been done in order to protect the city and i and we can argue back and forth i get it i don't agree with it but sure up until this point for the most part guardians have blindly followed the speaker the light whatever however the nine are basically questioning this and saying hey look what we want to show you is that neither the light nor the dark are required by the guardians to hold power their power is actually able to utilize either of them Mm -hmm. thus to the nine these sources are energies that we should control instead of being controlled by we are the wielders of the tools, so why are we allowing the tools to demand how we use them? Um, within the bond judgment entry, I'm going to pull that up real quick for live chat here. There's a quote that says, you've built so many monuments, large and small, in worship of your light. Will you do the same for the dark? Will you ever build for yourselves again? So again, a nod here to prior to light or dark being in our in our existence. So and this is this is where the nine kind of double down on the whole the whole hey look at the ghost as an important part of this whole equation. So they turn and they look at the ghost and they say, look, this is the central focus to this situation here. This is the link mm-hmm. that allows. So this is the link that allows the guardians to wield the light, and is a creative force that opposes the guardians' own destructive power. So the, right. the ghost is basically the bridge that connects the paracausal powers to the free will of humanity Mm -hmm. and that right there is what is causing humans to be at the center of this whole thing because this bridge the paracausal power is all great and good but if you don't have the will to to actually manifest it it doesn't it doesn't do anything and so the other thing is this bridge it doesn't just need to connect to the light uh in in some cases it's already been shown that it can connect to, if it's not already connected to, the darkness. And so mm-hmm. it's through the pairing of the guardian and the ghost that an entity is basically brought forth that can both destroy and create with the powers that are underneath the light and the dark. So, And that's where you come back to the light destroys, the guardians destroy, 
but the ghosts rebuild. They are a tangential expression mm-hmm. within the common equation. Right. So, right. and then just to kind of wrap that into a little nice ball of timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff, the term tangential expression, as we kind of discussed before, indicates that the ghost is something of a divergent or a digressive aspect of the common equation that is our existence. So the term tangential is often used in mathematics to denote a line that traverses alongside another basically you know we kind of talked about that already uh it will it could it can touch but after that one point of touching it will never touch again so the ghost at the inception which would be the birth of the ghost touches the light but after that it it can run parallel but it's going to be perfectly parallel to it it's never going to touch it again um so here the ghost is shown to be something that shares in the direction but it's not the final result that the light and the guardian show um, so instead of being just destruction, just creation, the ghost is actually able to, through their pairing with a guardian, through their linking with a guardian, create a, a third way, a, sh- a realm of shadows. Mm-hmm. And that's where you see not just destruction, but you also see creation and rebuilding through the guardian ghost pairing. And and that is like in in response to the question of like, what is the darkness? The nine are like, who cares? It's you guys that are in the important thing. Like the darkness is just one side of this existence that we now find ourselves in. It is entropy. This is creation. But in order to actually go forward, you need to blend the two. And that's what the guardian and the ghost do. I do think there's a little bit more that the nine are telling us besides just that. I do think that is the large part of it within the armor sets. But I think within the raid itself, the imagery of it is quite not different, but more expansive than just the idea of this is light, this is dark, you're in between, and you can use both, you should do that. I think it's a little bit more than that. And I do want to get into that, but I do want to take us to a short commercial break before we jump back into that. Sounds great. My name is Brian Burton. It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. Since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. This isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. And I promise to find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. Remember, there's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources. And we are back, and I want to talk about the concept of imagery within the dungeon itself. Um, Blue, you and I have actually gone through almost the entire thing together. I've finished it on um, a different platform. Uh, I finished it with a few other friends, but... I want to talk about the different steps that we go through in the raid itself, because there's some beautiful imagery that we see, because you start in the kind of the, I want to call it like the sewer area, Mm -hmm. where you're first learning that you have to kill knights either while standing in the light or while standing in the dark. And in some areas, in the first area, it is a balance in the room. The balance is very easy. You can find plenty of places to stand in the light to kill the enemies, and you can find plenty of places in the dark to kill the enemies to get that to progress. Second room, it's much harder to find areas of darkness to kill, but you still need it. So 
you're having to maneuver a little bit. So there's some imagery there in that when there's too much light, it does become more difficult to be able to cull back things. There's not the balance is out of whack, right? Yeah, I would Third real, room, real quick. It's um, flipped as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other cool thing, and and I was kind of thinking about this, you know, um, when you when you're when you're saying, you know, hey, you have to stand in a light or stand in the dark when you kill. I think that's also mm-hmm. a a good way of looking at. You have to intentionally do something. Like the intention right. is important. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really well, cool yeah, way of showing that. It's the intention of, am I doing this for growth, the possibility of growth, or am I doing this for the possibility of destruction? Now, granted, if you're reducing light and dark to destruction and creation, that is a very uh, limiting way of putting it, because in both cases, you're still destroying yeah. something. You're just destroying it in the name of something yeah, and you're I are destroying it in the name of light. You're destroying it in the name of dark. I mean, take yeah. I I would argue that is the sole purpose of an avatar in most cases. Mm-hmm. So, but sorry, yes. So, yeah, you're good. And then from there, um, we also see these orb-like things down in there, and some of them are covered in gold, and some of them have more of a revealing thing of these star pattern orbs of darkness that are. It's there's a lot of beautiful imagery and art within the that first s- series itself, and then you have to climb up into an area where you're fighting on a very limited space, and in that space things are always shifting with every progression that you have. It's more like the real life of what we're dealing with in the game. Every every um, choice that we make in game has a very interesting response whether the players on the board the chessboard that mara talks about moves in some way that you may not necessarily perceive right away but if you pay closer attention you can see how to maneuver yourself within it so it's the it's also one of the most difficult locations in the entire (laughs) dungeon in my opinion because agreed the stupid boss and the fact that you get knocked off all the time absolute chaos yeah it's just keep moving. That is that is the moral of that room is just keep moving and run away as much as you have to. <laughs> but from there, did you have anything within that second area? Because that's still in the heaven and hell area. We're technically in the heaven side, I guess, if we're not in the underbelly anymore. <laughs> just keep swimming. <laughs> um, yes, it is. Nice black flag for the Disney. Um, no, uh-huh. I, I would say that the other thing that I find interesting in the what I refer to as the the hexahedron of doom um, is uh, that's where we also see Tolan show up. Or oh, let me, when we let get me into rephrase, the rephrase that air yeah. quotes Tolan, the ball of light. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think it's still a manifestation of the nine to show us yeah, a familiar guide, right? And I'm trying like. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I still can't help but see a glowfish whenever I see that because it's like, mm, or an anglerfish. Like, I'm like, I don't yeah, really want to just... follow that because <laughs> I know what happens. I mean, who wants to follow Toland? Like, really? Like, why? But within that, <laughs> like, you're talking about that room that makes everybody sick, particularly no, no, Orchid from that, Guardians of Lore. Right. Well, okay, yes. There's there's the I think it was that the singularity room or whatever. No, I'm talking about in in the the Astrolab? Ah, what is it? The the Thunderdome. 
The mm-hmm. second thing, the Thunderdome, that's where, because in order to kick Stage it off, two. you have to punch Toland. Yeah. Because he's, he's in the center platform yeah. and you have to jump I on it. he's in Yeah, there. you have to do, you have to right. Mario But he doesn't him. necessarily lead you through like he does in the next no, stage. No, that's correct. He, like, the, God, yeah, psychedelic room? Jeez. Yeah, that one, mm-hmm. he actually shows you where to go. But, like, he is right. the, he is the catalyst for the Thunderdome to, to activate. Mm-hmm. I do like when we move from that location on top with the astrolab-like thing and the gyroscope that's moving around and changing the shadows. When you leave that, you actually do your first uh, descent into, I believe, the sand in that first area. You think you stand on a triangle in that one. And that's another one of the little pieces of imagery is that you're dealing with uh, circular imagery of a platform that you go and stand on, which is the light which lifts you. Or you go into a quote-unquote darkness thing, which is a triangle, which looks like um, fuchsia quicksand that you slide down into, and it takes you into a different area. <laughs> Sorry. We have another there's more another, fond name that we came name up with <laughs> that is not suitable for a podcast <laughs> of this nature. But it is fun. <laughs> the – I know – the thing that I want to go into when you get into the square room where you're dealing with all the – it looks like an M.C. Escher painting that you're dealing with that you can climb up on everything. And then once you finish one side of the room, gravity changes. You get lifted. It completely shifts and you're in a new perspective and you're dealing with a new perspective and you're dealing with trying to traverse this <laughs> by changing perspectives each time. Very quickly, changing perspectives. Yes. I'm not reading any of that chat. You can go and forget it. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so uh, changing perspectives is important. You have to use that to traverse through the square room. Do you think there's like a major lesson in there besides just the idea of continuing the Moving from light to dark, but also changing perspectives. Because I think, changing, if I remember I think correctly, changing perspectives is the main thing. That's what I took out of it. I was yeah. like, before, yeah. between not throwing up and just trying to shoot everything. There wasn't any sort of major call out on any level. Not like there is in the boss room. Because no. in the boss room, you're dealing with different locations, right? Like you have Mara's throne well, on one side, and then you have like the pyramid thing on another, which is more of like the pyramidian. Yeah, and the other no, because like the um the because that's the hexahedron room, right? The the cu- yeah the yeah, final yeah. boss. No, no, no. The hexahedron's the or sorry the uh, the throw up room. That one I think was I mean, really just a, a twisty turvy. The uh, the wasteland though did have callouts to yes. the areas. Speaking of wasteland, there is a triumph tied to listening to the um radio calls from the emissary and i think it's on i think every location like mars excuse me mercury titan they all have one of those radio signals that you can listen to oh really the emissary talk about our things mm-hmm. oh, that's cool yeah there's a triumph tied to it out there to go but, find that down that's cool yeah traversing the wastelands how much of a um Dark Tower feel did you <laughs> I get am from that so one? Proud that I was not the first one to say that. <laughs> when I went through that the first time, I went, 
Dang it. Louie's going to lose his mind. I mean, we were chasing something in black across the wasteland. It's just... It's- I don't know. I, I know. I know that Bungie keeps audibly saying that they didn't have any inspiration from it, but that's a lie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you may have manifested an inspiration I, or, I, or two there. I'll completely take it. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so you're traversing the wasteland, which it's consumed in shadow it's not in darkness but it's in shadow all the way through and you're being there are moments of light given off either through the ring that looks similar to the traveler side that you see at the very very end versus the other side which is more of like a pink i don't know it's you start to get the psychedelic neon colors coming in right mm-hmm and then from there you go into um that's when you go into the square room isn't it after that or you go from the square room into that i'm trying to i'm getting it mixed up a little bit uh yes yeah so you go you go from thunderdome into the wasteland and then wasteland to, to square room square room that makes back to the sick. wasteland uh-huh. and then and then to that's the ribbon 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 yeah. uh rainbow road and then that is super cool. I love the imagery in that. I love the imagery in that area because not only do you ha- you have multiple ways to get down, right? There's more than one way to traverse the path, whether it's down the ribbons on your sparrow or even just running down or jumping down from platform to platform. But there's enemies along the way. There's also pyramids that are related more towards the light pyramids that are related more towards the left that you traverse through and then you get to the point where you just have this fun little elevator where you watch thrall just get it's amazing all the way up amazing we just stand there we're like wait for it wait Mm -hmm. for it (laughs) it's fun i like it it's one of my favorite areas i mean it's not a hard area but it is a lot of fun from there you go and you get mobbed by a bunch of thrall for a moment which is more of just a last-ditch effort, I think, to stop you from making your way to the boss room, right? Yeah. And then in the boss room, you have a reprise of the same mechanic you dealt with in the square room, where once you clear the room by putting out the totems, you go into the center and you you switch perspectives, but instead of dealing... Um, with an immediate switch in perspective in the same room, you go into the boss fight itself. And the th- I love the imagery of the boss fight because it is taking all those lessons of light and dark and how you have to utilize both. But by being the hero of that story, you also are going to subject yourself to a never ending battle where you have to move forward always. Because if you fall behind too long, that's when you're going to die. If you do not make a choice, that's when you're going to die. You have to be decisive. I don't know. Did you get that kind of feel from the boss fight, Blue? Yeah. Also, don't be on the platforms that he lands on. <sighs> don't. Pens. <laughs> it's don't don't get ahead of the boss is the answer <laughs> to that one, because he always jumped ahead of the boss. And I don't know why. I love him to death. I know he was trying to get out of the way, but he always ran to the exact point where the boss was going to spawn. And it's like, the other thing I do like, actually, I do like about the boss, and I might have missed you saying this, is that um, 
his major ability is to send you back to the beginning. Correct. It is to make you start over. I like that. Hey, it's like a, it's almost a little uh, karmic and reincarnation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you get hit with it and you have to, like, you have to start, like, I really, I mean, I, I don't, I'll have to, I have to sit with it a little bit more because I'm still trying to process through the mechanics because, like, I get the mechanics, but I have to translate the mechanics in my head into how do I put do more damage. So, like, the mm-hmm. metaphor for that particular fight hasn't quite sunk in just yet. Oh, but, I love like, it. That so was, good. that was such, um, you know, Bungie always does a really good job with their, their dungeons, the raids, whatever. But I was like, that was such a cool, like, wait, what just happened? Like, I mean, it's like a, whoa what like uh i love it yeah black flag is also pointing out that you know like uh it could be a stand-in for aramis that's cool i like that idea oh that is an interesting one i like it so we are actually towards the end of the episode blue we've already made it there do you have anything else we want to kind of talk about when it comes to the nine because no i survived yes with a lot of help Mm -hmm. as always i mean i'm not gonna deny yep. that yep we well i mean it's the fun thing you learn that especially i don't know how i'm gonna do that as a solo you can solo the dungeon people have done it but i am not what i i don't know like i i've we've had this conversation i don't do i don't really pay attention usually to in-game stuff um <sighs> it's a cool if you haven't gone and played it or haven't watched it I like this dungeon better than any other dungeon that we've had so far. I think the puzzles are doable for solo. I think that it's fun. I think that it's inventive and it's not just heavy like Pit of Heresy was. I will be honest with like the the prophecy. Um I really like the wasteland. Like it's mm-hmm. it's I like how it is it embraces that openness and it just like yeah, you're getting you're kind of getting pushed to, you know, hey go this way like you know because you have the minotaurs or whatever running around but like really honestly it's not impossible just i mean you could wander around there and just like look at the different like sets and the sandbox of of all that i i think that's what made me really like and this is coming from someone who i have not run a dungeon well i ran shattered throne a lot mm-hmm. because I wanted the bow because you had to yeah because you wanted wish yeah and I got the bow and I never mm-hmm. went back to Shattered Throne after that um, but, but like I'm, I'm not usually a big fan of in-game stuff I don't usually care for it but like I mm-hmm. I really actually enjoyed running through Prophecy like it, it's it's right. got like I was kind of saying in the intro session it's got like that that really good balance of frantic needs to shoot things but it's not mm-hmm. Crota's End it's not like the you know no. it's not the thrall death hallway but it's it's like i don't know it's 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 got a great balance of it and it's got the visual aesthetics that can right. that are teaching like they actually mm-hmm. have story in them and i don't know it's just it's it's a great it's, blend of everything it's a, it's a work of art that is also a playable space because I, I honestly think that the design for Prophecy is the highest and most well-designed with as much meaning as you can pack into everything. Because everything seems to have a, a story Shattered, to it, right, within this dungeon. Yeah, Shattered Throne. Sh- I, 
Shattered It's up there. Shattered Throne. The problem with the Shattered Throne is that it's a it's up there, yes, as far as like a really meaningful story. But there's a difference between having a moving through an established area, whether it's Shattered Throne because that's Mars Old Throne World, or Pit of Heresy, which is the domain of the hive on the moon. Those are established areas, so you don't get to tell and teach a story uh, okay. about an overarching concept. Yeah, you don't have that. You're you you're teaching about slate. the history of right. You right. So with this, they get to be more artistic and be like, "Hey, I want to teach this concept. How do we do that?" They come up with all these different designs to actually walk you through it. So I think, as far as an artistic thing, I like Prophecy the best as far as. The playability, the interesting aspects of it, I think is there's so much that you can go through and it's like a piece of art. You could look at it lots of different ways versus going through and just playing Pit of Heresy, which is a very static feeling. Yeah, I would adventure. I would say that as far as like aesthetics go, like Shattered Throne and Prophecy are are equal to me. I mm-hmm. can't speak to Pit because I try. I like opened it and I was like, "Yep, nope, not doing that," and then closed it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I was just like, it's I was fine. like, "Nap, nap, not." I don't care that much. Um, but like, I like because I like the aesthetics of I, I like the aesthetics of the Dreaming City. Like, I, I really do. And so, Shattered Throne, I like the um, the mechanics of how they laid out the aesthetics in Shattered Throne. Like I like how mm-hmm. when you first go into Shattered Throne, you can see the entire thing. I think that's really cool. Like you can see where you're going. Right. Um, right. And with prophecy, I like kind of what you were just saying. It's like, it's a completely blank slate. So like they were able to do like, it's like the nine, they, they do their own thing mm-hmm. and everything is very heavily loaded with a specific lesson i i do Meaning, i appreciate right. that so much um and and that's just to be f- to in full disclosure i haven't gone through pit so i don't know and i haven't gone through what's the other one uh raid there's raid pit. of raid of the spire i think oh that's that's a raid raid that's not a dungeon is it wasn't spire there a raid? The stars wasn't there a raid attached Mm-mm. to that okay Mm-mm. there's a know. raid on like there's three raids attached to leviathan they're, oh, they're all stars, raids, Eater of okay. Worlds, okay. and Leviathan. Mm-hmm. And then I guess... Yeah, they're all six-man. You can technically do some of them with a smaller team, but right, right. you don't necessarily want to. I mean, basically that's to say, you know, Shattered Throne and Prophecy are really the only two in-game content in Destiny 2 that I've really paid much attention to from a, from a player standpoint. Um, I also may have begged you to play that, this one. Yeah, you, you also tricked me. With the whole, hey, you're going to be a forerunner, which mm-hmm. I think I'm about on par with you, which is very odd for me to say. Well, then. No, no. not not, no, not as skill. I mean, no, no, as no. progression no, no. in the title. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I actually think you may be a little bit ahead of me on the progression on the title, but um, I think that we should wrap up. I think we, that's good. I, I agree. I think... Sh- um, Sorry, I interrupted you there. Please. You're good. What shout outs do you have, Green? <laughs> okay. So shout out to the company that makes the little standing pad that I am standing on at the moment called a Wurf board. It's a working surfboard. I'm going to... This is great. I I like this thing, and I'm going to 
it's her shout st- them out it's because it's Star a great Trek piece board. of. Uh, it is. It is so cool. And I'm going to show chat again because I can now because we have face cams and this thing is awesome and it blows up and it's a little bit of a foam air pad type thing like as if you had a camping pad and it's for while I'm standing at my desk because I like to do a standing desk type thing and it's, it's very nice. It makes it a lot easier on my knees and my joints because <laughs> I am an old lady. Come see it in live stream if you don't believe me, because trust me, there's wrinkles here. Sur- Other shout outs. Warfboard. Warfboard. <laughs> Instead of a surfboard, it's a working surfboard. It's clever. Um, the other shout out I have is towards Twitter for not being a absolutely giant pile of dog doo-doo lately. So thank you for not being awful people as much as you have been. That is as much as a rebuke as it is a praise. So take that as you will. I am German. You can get over it. Blue? Um, I don't know. Shout out for to Greed because she like throws <laughs> random things at me. It's like, hey, we should do this. And then it actually works. And I just should stop questioning her logic because it tends to do that. Um, <laughs> But no, like, I mean, it's... It's always nice to have like a, an excuse to to change stuff up, and I, I really think that between you know the new the new streaming setup that we have, um, and with the inclusion with Robots Radio, I'm I'm really excited to see where we go, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I need in 2020. I don't know how many other people might feel that way, but you know having something to be excited for, I, I'm not going to complain. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that's all I need. I, I, I don't. I don't really have anything other than that. Um, yeah, but uh, go for it. I think no. I think as much as my rebuke was just more biting than normal. I think that our community has been a brighter point. I think within the larger grouping of the Destiny community, and I know that is you guys hear us talk about how you guys are just awesome a lot, and it's not. It's not pandering. It's legit. When when my family hurts, I hurt. And lately, it seems like you guys have been doing a little bit better. I know things are still pretty dark in a lot of places in the world, but you guys have done an amazing job of bouncing back and just figuring out who who is the person that you want to kind of follow and and see your voice with and and support your voice or support them with your voice. And that is it's it's a a lesson of twenty twenty that has been most um difficult to learn at times people have learned to block people have learned to just step away people have learned to take care of themselves mentally as well as physically so it is a good on you for that and i i really do appreciate all of you guys who are in my twitter feeds because i i very specifically pick people i don't just follow anybody and you guys are doing well so thank you anyway blue take us out yep i just want to as always thank you for your time until next time remember with wisdom we conquer stand strong stand tall and keep exploring Bye. with that we'll begin to wrap the chat up thank you again to those over on twitch for coming to spend your evening with us if you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focused fire chat Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. 
Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.